Years ago, I was visiting my sister in the Baltimore area. It happened to be on a Sunday and it happened to be on a communion Sunday. We sat down and we were passing the elements by, the bread went by and the juice went by. I took a taste of the bread and thought, I have never tasted anything so good. It was like this tiny little puff pastry. And all I could think was, pass it back around. I looked at my sister and I'm like, is it bad that I want seconds on this? And then the next thought I had was, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then I went, ooh, I wonder if that's sacrilegious. A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. What does it mean to taste and see that something is good? Our family does this thing called taste for taste. Some people are really into this and some others get completely grossed out by it. But for all of us, there's some lesson. When my husband and I first started dating, we went out for dinner one evening. He ordered one entree and I another. The food came and I said or asked or something, taste for taste. He looked at me with such adoration. I think that's when he thought this relationship might be able to work. He grabbed a bite of my lasagna as I twirled my fork in his spaghetti and the rest is history. We continue to do this, sharing tastes of each other's food and deciding who ordered best. Our whole family does this. This is not a right thing. This is not a wrong thing. This is definitely a preference thing. And I totally understand that this really grosses some people out. And I actually kind of understand that. But I still do it and find myself often impressed with others ordering skills. I argue, ah, how else can I know what to order next time if I don't try it? How can I find some out if something is good without tasting it? There's a whole industry based on this concept. And boy, do I know it. My husband and I used to go to the Fancy Pants grocery store on Saturdays around lunchtime when we were first married because we knew we'd be able to get so many samples that it could count as a lunch. We were willing to try everything. There were a couple of women that worked there consistently that absolutely loved Kenny. He'd walk up to their sample stands, take a bite of whatever they were offering that day, might be cod or yogurt or a chip and dip, it didn't matter what. He'd smile, he'd say thanks, and he'd exclaim about how good it was. Now, he's not a charmer or a schmooze. That's not even in his nature to be like that. But he is just so nice and warm, and these women loved him. They would undoubtedly say what he was already thinking. Oh, one sample isn't enough for you. Here, you can have a few more. He'd say, thanks so much, and tell them how much he appreciated it. Sometimes I was with him. Sometimes I wasn't. The reason had everything to do with me trying to figure out how it might be possible to get even one extra sample. When we separated and did a divide and conquer route through the store, I'd come upon these same sampler hawkers and say as well, yum, this is so good. And they'd look at me and ask me to step aside for the next customer. Or they'd simply agree and say, yes, it is. Or they'd point out to where I could pick one up. Sometimes I'd be bold and would just ask, would it be possible for me to have one more, please? 
One woman said, no, it really wouldn't be. One per customer. As I'd see my husband with his mouth full right behind her. Another lady said nothing when I asked. And instead, she just smiled and laughed and kind of dismissed me from her table. Another time I'd go to the store, I would walk around with Kenny thinking, well, maybe my proximity to the favorite son and this one that is so well-loved might up my Annie in the sample game. No such luck. One of the women saw Kenny, offered the cheese and crackers and suggested, you might want to try both kinds to compare. I was right behind him and she asked, would you prefer mild or sharp cheddar? This is probably why I love Sam's Club so much, because I've never experienced such discrimination there. I can wander up and down the aisles, enjoying the taste of things that I find out that I love. Then I also try things I'm not so sure about, like joint juice or sour bite crawlers. One day, not that long ago, I decided to go to Sam's Club and do what I used to, grab enough samples and make myself a lunch. I thought, oh, you know what? I'll get crackers maybe and fruit and herring and cheese or slice of bacon or pound cake, maybe flavored butters or coffee or whatever else was on the menu that day. I brought a book I needed to read for a class or book club or something, and I wandered through the store. I knew I had to get some other shopping done too. So what I thought was I'll do all of my shopping. And then instead of eating the samples as I went, I was just going to hoard them. I'd use the big part of my cart to load up my groceries And then I'd use the small part where you could put a child. I would put my lunch and just line up all my samples. I thought, you know what? I could get my groceries, go through the self-checkout lane of which I am a pro. Let me just tell you, I am so good at that self-checkout lane. You want to get behind me if I'm in that lane. In fact, it's almost faster to get behind me than go to an empty one because you get so many tips just watching me check out so fast. You get out of there so quickly. Anyway, I thought this was going to be my plan. I go through the checkout and then I was going to head to the eating area with my veritable smorgasbord of samples or whatever. I had a plan. I got my cart, walked in the store. I show my card to the woman who tells me every time, you know, you don't need to do that anymore. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And I began my forage. I had to dodge the direct TV guy. And then I made my way to the good stuff. I took my first sample, two grapes and a little plastic cup. Perfect. This could actually be a dessert if I need it to be, I thought, or maybe just a fruit. We'll see. I started gathering the items I knew I had to purchase for my home. Toilet paper, bread, a gallon of milk, bananas, eggs, avocado, and other things. I started wondering, how did I manage to get all of these things and avoid the sample people? I looked back at my little part of my cart and all I had were those two little grapes. I thought I need to retrace my steps and figure out where they are. And then I thought I need to also go down some other areas I had avoided. So I went up and down every frozen aisle, nothing. I went near the meats and cheeses, nothing. I went back near the fruit and the lone woman with her little stacks of grapes smiled at me. She looked at my cart and had kind of a weird questioning glance when she saw the grapes still sitting in my seat. And I just kind of smiled and said, I'm saving them. They're either gonna be fruit or dessert. And then I went near the baked goods. Surely somebody is wanting me to try the pound cake or something, but nothing. I was super disappointed. I had all I'd come for. I had everything in the cart that I needed at home, but I didn't have my lunch. I went to the self-checkout and gave a tutorial to nobody. I was done super fast, and then I found myself a seat at the table. But (laughs) I found myself a seat at the table. It sounds like I'm a part of some big think tank at Sam's Club, that phrase. 
Maybe the board of directors, the trendsetters, the movers and shakers here at Sam's Club. Actually, what I meant to say was I just found an open table in the eating area near the pop, pulled my cart up next to myself, and I sat down. So I sat down, I opened my book, and I popped in a grape. I wanted to savor it because I needed to stretch out my lunch. But before I even made a decision to eat the second one, I looked at my little plastic cup and it was empty. And my tongue was getting a grape skin off of my tooth. And that was that. My party was over. I sat and read my book for quite a while and I was so hungry. I was irritated that nobody else was working that day. Where were they? I was trying to remember if I walked down the cereal aisles. And then I started fixating on the fact that I probably missed my chance at some lucky charms or honey bunches of oats or something. I thought, should I go up and go look? I was mad at myself for not taking two more grapes when I had the chance. And I kept reading and my stomach kept grumbling. I shared this story with a friend later and she said, why don't you just spend a buck 50 and buy those cheap lunch at Sam's Club? And you know what? It never occurred to me because that was not part of my plan. You know what else didn't occur to me? that I could have reached over into the cart full of supplies already paid for, grabbed myself a banana, a snack, whatever, and continued to have a lunch and could have walked out of there not hungry. I started thinking about that and I thought, you know what? This is kind of the way it is in life. The psalmist tells us in Psalm 34 that we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. What are we meant to do when we taste something? We want something more of it, right? Have you ever had something so delicious? You're like, man, I wish I could just keep eating this and eating this. I wish they'd make a gum out of this. So it was all, could always have this taste in my mouth. This is the best thing ever. I know I felt like that. And I'm sure you have. And the psalmist had found that out about the Lord himself. He had said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he was always satisfying. He said, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Now, before you write me off as trite, as I'm kind of comparing this to the cart, listen for just a second. I totally understand that the psalmist is not talking about lunch. You know that too. But what is he saying? What is he saying in this acrostic poem? What does he want us to know? He wanted to share the personal experience he had with tasting of the Lord's goodness and his craving for more of him. And he wanted to encourage those who are reading this to do the same. He begins in verses one to three, praising God. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul is going to boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What's he so pumped about? He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. The psalmist had an opportunity to taste something in his life of the Lord that was good and it was satisfying. He was struggling with fear. He was running for his life and he sought the Lord and the Lord answered him and delivered him from those fears. He goes on and he says, those who look to God are radiant. He says, the poor man can call and the Lord will hear him and save him out of all his troubles. He says, the Lord can protect those who fear him and that he will deliver them. How does David know this? Again, he tasted the goodness of God himself. He was protected. He was provided for. And he knew that the Lord would do the same for all those who would trust in him. And David goes on. Those who fear the Lord lack nothing, he says. 
He uses lions, super strong, powerful lions as an example. He says, even they will grow weak. Even they will be hungry. But those who seek the Lord, he says, in contrast, will lack nothing. Even though the righteous may have many troubles, and this is a guarantee, people. This is a guarantee. Righteous will have many troubles. David can attest that. He was being misunderstood. In fact, he was running for his life based on false information. The righteous will have many troubles. And the psalmist says, even though the righteous will have many troubles, the righteous can also trust that the Lord will deliver them from all of them. This is a truth that Peter also understood. Peter was very acquainted with Psalm 34. He was writing a letter to the believers scattered throughout the area that we would call Turkey now. He wanted to remind them of that truth too. He was quoting Psalm 34. The readers of his letter would likely have memorized that already as well. He knew that the righteous people Peter was writing to were going through many troubles. The early believers were being persecuted. They were being killed. They were being ostracized. They were being cast from their homes and scattered about. He wanted to encourage them in their troubles to not only taste and see how good God was, but to crave even more of them. Peter began his first letter talking about the great salvation they had received in Christ. He says, now that you are saved, you're called to live a holy life. You're called to live a life of good. You are called to no longer conform to the evil desires you once had. Peter was writing and he said, you are called to love one another deeply. You are called to recognize the brevity of life, have a different perspective. He then says in chapter two of his first letter, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good, crave even more. Don't be content with just the small sample you've been given. What a great reminder to myself. You know, we've experienced the joy of God's salvation. There is grace that comes. We've been flooded with grace. We did not deserve this salvation, but God has gifted it to us. Crave more than that. It's interesting, I think, in both the psalm and in this letter in Peter, the writers each say, you know what? Enjoy more of God's grace in your own life. Crave more good in your own life. The psalmist says, going back to Psalm 34, he says, readers, he said to them, you need to keep your tongues from evil and your lips from speaking lies. You need to turn from evil and instead do good. You need to seek peace and pursue it as you experience God's goodness. You tasted that God is good, pursue peace now. You've tasted that God is good, keep your tongue from things that are evil. Keep your lips from speaking lies. Peter does the same thing. He tells his readers, rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, and hypocrisy. Envy, slander of every kind as you're growing up in your salvation. We can see that Peter must have had this psalm in mind Was he's writing this. He's saying, yes, taste and see that the Lord is good. And he says, in order to crave more good in your life, this is what this might look like. You might need to rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Both writers are saying, you've tasted that the Lord is good. Crave more of him to be impacting more of you. That's the way this good story gets written. You don't want to be this person tasting something, sitting hungry at a table with an empty plastic cup and a grape skin stuck in your tooth. When there's nourishment already purchased and provided for you, sitting right next to you in an overflowing heart. 
You don't want to leave unsatisfied when God has so much more for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good and then crave more.